want to say a big hello to all those joining us online, along with all the men and women in our correctional ministry. And uh, I just want you guys to know that that you're not a project to us, that we consider you a part of our church. And so come on, D-Town, have me welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know. That's awesome. Well, today we are starting a brand new series called Sow and Reap. Now, this series is, is based off of this, this principle or this law that we see throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible. And, and, and it kind of reminded me of not too long ago, uh, my wife came home from the grocery store and she said, can you help me bring in the groceries? Fellas, I don't know if your wife has ever asked you to do this, but I noticed there weren't any groceries in her hand. And I, I quickly realized that what she was saying is, I did all the work to buy the groceries. Now you need to do all the work to bring the groceries in the house, which is a job I welcomed. And so I went out to the car and I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of guy that tries to grab every single bag in one trip. Where are my guys at? Come on now. I'm making one trip. And so there was about 50 bags in the car at this particular time. And, and so what I try to do is I, I load up like one hand. Like I put all these bags on one hand. So I put like 40 bags on my left hand and then I tried to grab the, the other 10 with my right hand. And, and she had bought all kinds of, of stuff. There, there was a loaf of bread. There, there was waffles. Uh, there was toaster strudels. Come on, glorified Pop-Tarts. Let's go, somebody. And, and I mean, there was, there was a gallon of milk. There was a carton of eggs. And I'm grabbing all this stuff and I'm walking in. And as I'm walking in, Apparently, in my right hand, I didn't fully grasp all the plastic bags, and one of them fell out and hit the ground. Do you know which bag of groceries? The eggs, right? Of course. And the reason is because there's a law in the universe called Murphy's Law, which simply means if anything bad can happen, it will happen, and probably is going to happen at the most inopportune time. Now, we kind of joke around with Murphy's Law because the truth is it's not really a law. But there are some uh, laws. I had a guy in between service. He goes, hey, you didn't tell him about uh, Cole's Law. And I was like, I've never even heard of this. He goes, yeah, it's finally sliced cabbage. I goes like, Cole's Law. <laughs> it's bad, man. That was real bad. I just said, don't tell anybody else that stays here with us. But there are some laws that, that govern our world, right? There's the law of gravity, which simply says what goes up must come down, right? Then there's the law of sowing and reaping, which we find in scripture. And it simply says our actions bring results. And just as there is the law of gravity, there absolutely is the law of sowing and reaping. And this law applies to our relationships, our thoughts, our words, our talents, our finances, and so many other areas of our lives that we're going to discuss throughout this series. But today I want to study this law as it relates to our giving and our generosity. And so let's start off right out of the gate with our key thought for today's message. If you're taking notes, our key thought about sowing and reaping is this, what you keep is all you have. But what you give, God multiplies. 
What we keep is all that we have, but what we give, God multiplies. And in fact, in the New Testament, Jesus taught on this principle on multiple occasions. Did you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell? And I think there's a couple reasons why Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven and hell. And that is because whenever the Bible talks about money, how many of us know it's not really fully talking about money. It's talking more about our hearts. And how many of us know that God really, 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 quadruple really cares about our hearts? Another reason I think Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell is because all of us think about money way more than we think about heaven or hell. Like we spend a lot of our time in life thinking about how to get it, how to make it, how to save it, how to spend it, shout out girl, how to invest it, <laughs> and how to keep it, right? Like, like it dominates much of our lives. And so Jesus had a lot to say about money and giving and finances and generosity. In fact, the Bible is full of the greatest wisdom when it comes to money management. But I want to take a look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, to kind of set the tone for where we're going today. Jesus speaking here, and he says, Give, and it will be given to you. In other words, when we give... God will multiply it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Give and it will be given to you. What you keep is all that you have, but what you give, God multiplies. Now the first part of this verse is kind of easy for for me to understand, I give and it will be given to you. But honestly, the other part of the verse can be a little bit confusing, like a good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. Like, what are we doing there? Is that a dance that we're doing? Are we making a milkshake? Like, what is happening in this passage of Scripture? And so I did a little research because that's uh, my job. And I, as I dug into it, I felt like it was super interesting because the, who Jesus would have been speaking to, the region that he would have been speaking in, these people would have been really familiar with farming. In fact, many of them, this would have been the, their livelihood. And so they would have immediately known what Jesus was talking about, especially when it comes to like harvesting wheat, which would have been uh, one of the crops that they would have, uh, in that region, one of their major crops that they would have harvested in that region. And so they would have also known that it was very common for the landowner or the boss to give to his laborers at the end of the week some wheat as their wage, some of what they harvested as their wage. In fact, according to a couple commentaries, uh, I read that, that I found out that a basket of wheat can be extremely heavy. And so uh, a lot of the laborers wouldn't fill their basket all the way to the top. They would only fill it halfway, or maybe if they're feeling really strong like your pastor, they would go three quarters of the way because they would have to haul this basket across the field to the place they were storing the wheat multiple times throughout the week. But they would also understand at the end of the week, if they had a generous boss, 
if they had a generous landowner who owned all of the property where they were working, at the end of the week, that, that boss or landowner would say, the very last basket you can keep for yourself, you can keep as your wage. And so the question is, how full do you think that last basket would be? Maybe with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, maybe running over. That's how full that last basket would have been. In other words, what Jesus is teaching us is as these laborers gave of their time, gave of their energy, gave of their labor to the investment into his field, they would get a basket of wheat back. And that basket of wheat was actually an extremely generous gift. They were well paid. In fact, they, they got more than they even gave. This reminded me of when you go to like a convenience store or a gas station to get an icy. Where's my icy people at? Like when you go, you have to know this. I had to teach. I, I got a lot of ICs when I was a kid. I had to pass this knowledge and this wisdom down to my kids. I'm hoping they pass it down to their kids and from generation to generation it'll go. But when you go in to get an icy and you start filling that, that, that cup up with the, the Coca-Cola icy or whatever you get, and when it gets to the top, how many of us know there's still air at the bottom. And so you have to maximize the amount of icy that you're going to get. And so what do you got to do? You got to bang it on the counter, right? Get it pressed down a little bit, shake it a little bit. And then you take that clear plastic lid with the hole on the top and you put it on top. And then what do you do? You go get some more, baby, right? Let's go fill this up a little bit more to the point where what happens a little bit, if you're anything like me, every time, a little bit runs over the top. And then what do you do? <laughs> now, I've heard of some of you putting an actual straw in the icy and drinking it as you, I, I've never done that, but I've heard some of you have done that. This is how God gives back to us. This is the point that Jesus is making. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be given unto you. That if you keep what you have, man, that's all you have. But, but what you give, God can multiply. Now, it's really important as we, we talk about this, this subject that that there can be a, a couple of, of extremes and some dangerous extremes. In fact, if you're new to church, you might not be familiar with these terms, but, but two dangerous extremes that, that can come with this, this message is there's, there's known as what is the, the prosperity gospel and the poverty gospel. Now, the prosperity gospel simply says if you have just a little bit of faith and you sow a little seed, if you just give a little bit, God's going to make you rich. Like way years ago, there was these TV evangelists and they would say, hey, if you sow $50, God's going to give you $5 billion, right? Unfortunately, that's not what the Bible teaches about giving in generosity. And that extreme can be potentially dangerous to our lives. Then there's the other extreme, which is the, the poverty gospel. This gospel says, if you want to be righteous, if you want to be holy, if you truly want to be godly, then you have to give everything you have away and you have to be poor. But once again, that's not what the Bible teaches about giving and generosity. And that extreme can be really, really dangerous. How many of us know the Bible says that God wants to bless us? God, and sometimes God blesses us with, 
with relationships and sometimes God blesses us with health and some God, sometimes God blesses us with finances and resources and money, but it's a blessing. Those are some of the many blessings God bestows or gives to us. And so the point is, it's not about what we have or what we don't have or how much we have or how little we have as much as it is about the condition of our hearts and how we manage what God has entrusted to us. And so just because there's a couple dangerous extremes out there in the world today when it comes to this topic, doesn't mean that we can't still walk right down the middle and talk about biblical faithfulness. What does the Bible say about sowing and reaping? And we can teach this powerful truth that Jesus said, if you give, it will be given unto you. That what you keep is all that you have, but what you give, God can and will multiply. So what I want to do for the rest of our time together today is just give us two very simple principles when it comes to the law of sowing and reaping. And then I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to go verse by verse and let the Bible speak to us and teach us about giving and generosity. So let's jump into it. The two principles of sowing and reaping, if you're taking notes, the first principle is you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. In other words, if we plant an apple seed, how many know we're going to get an apple tree? We're not going to get an orange tree. We're going to get an apple tree. You reap what you sow. Now, it's important for us to know this law can either work for us or this law can work against us. Whatever we sow in life, we're going to reap in life. Let me show it to us in Scripture. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Paul's speaking here, and he says, Do not be deceived. Just so we're on the same page, whenever the Bible, I think it's only three times in Scripture, the Bible says, do not be deceived. And whenever the Bible tells us, don't be deceived, it's because we have a tendency to be deceived in this area. Otherwise, the Bible would not take time to address it. He says, don't be deceived. You know, in other words, you're going to be pulled in this direction. You're going to want to think differently than this. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. He cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. God is saying, whatever we dish out, we get back. You ever heard that saying, what goes around comes around. You know where they got that? The Bible. First service, I said, you know where they got that? And some lady goes, no. I'm like, the Bible. We just read the scripture. There will be a test. Come on, somebody. So, in other words, if we plant seeds of kindness in other people's lives, what are we going to reap? People are going to be kind back to us. If we, if we sow seeds of, of grace and, and mercy towards others, what are we going to reap? Great people are going to be graceful and merciful towards us. If we sow seeds of forgiveness when other people wrong us and they don't deserve it, I mean, we'll reap forgiveness from others when we wrong them. I know we don't want to talk about when we wrong them. We just want to talk about when they wrong us. How I many we all need forgiveness? We all need grace. In fact, any relationship that you want to stay in, how I many know you're going to have to extend grace to that other person? And how I many they're going to have to extend grace to you? Right? It's just part of relationships. So if we sow it, we'll reap it. If we, if we sow generosity to the people around us, how many of us know we'll reap people being generous with us? Whatever we sow, we reap. But then the opposite is true as well. 
from a negative sense. Like if we sow seeds of anger and, and we're rude to others, how many of us know we're going to reap people being angry and rude to us? Talk to me, church. If, we sow, if, we're, if we're critical of others, how many of people are going to be critical of us? If we're judgmental of others, people are going to be judgmental of us. If we gossip about others, people are going to gossip about us. If we're stingy towards others, people are going to be stingy towards us. It works both ways, both negatively and positively. Now, here's what I need us to know today, because we've all made this, this mistake, and that is too often we want to plant one thing, but reap another. How many of you know it doesn't work that way? I heard a pastor say one time that, that so many of us go and sow our wild oats on Saturday night, and then we come to church Sunday morning praying for crop failure. In other words, I, I, I'm ask, I come in on Sunday asking God to bless me, but all week long, Monday through Saturday, I've been sowing seeds of disobedience. How I many it doesn't work that way? God wants to bless us, but we reap what we sow. And so we can, whatever, it doesn't matter what we're praying for on Sunday. What matters is what seed are we sowing the other six days of the week? We're going to reap what we sow. The second principle of sowing and reaping, if you're taking notes, is you reap more than you sow. Not only do we reap what we sow, but we reap more than we sow. Like if we plant an apple seed, how many know one seed can produce an entire tree? And that tree can produce tons of fruit. And those fruit can produce thousands of seeds. And all that came from one seed. Why? Because there's this law at work in our world today. There's this principle that God has given to us that we reap more than we sow. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. He's speaking to us. He says, anyone who has left or given up houses or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields. For my sake, anyone who has given those things up for me, and my kingdom, and my mission, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. Why, Jesus? Why are you saying that? Well, because there's this principle, there's this law at work. Not only do you reap what you sow, but you reap more than you sow. They'll receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. In other words, if we give up something for the glory of God eternally, we're going to reap way more than we gave. I'm always reminded of this. One example would be when we go on a missions trip. Who's all been on a missions trip before? Like when you go on a missions trip, you, you go with this intent that I'm going to go help those who have maybe less resources than us. Maybe we're going to a third world country or something like that. And these people don't have a lot. And what you discover is they have way more than you think. They have more of the stuff that matters and less of the stuff that doesn't matter. But, but we spend all this, we raise all this money. We take time off of work and we go spend a week or so in another country serving and loving people we've never met. And what you find every time you go beyond yourself to go on a mission trip is that you get more than you gave. Every single time, it's not that you're not making a difference, but you walk away, man, that mission trip, I think that mission trip changed me more than it changed anybody else. I'm different. Why? Because there's this principle at work that we reap more than we sow. What you keep is all that you have, but what you give, God multiplies. In fact, Jesus even told a parable in Matthew chapter 13 about this sower, this farmer that went into this field and he scattered out all of this seed and 
And, and Jesus goes on to say that the ground returned a harvest that was 30 times what was planted, then another type of soil returned 60 times what was planted, and then even the best soil returned 100 times more than what was planted. Why? Because you reap what you sow, but you also reap more than you sow. Remember, this works for us or this can work against us. This can work for us when we're generous and we're, we're forgiving and we're extending grace and mercy to those around us and we're affirming and we're speaking life. But on the flip side, how many of you reap more than you sow? If I'm sowing stinginess, if I'm sowing gossip, if I'm sowing those discord, if I'm sowing disunity, how many of you reap more than you sow? So it's, we have to be careful what we're sowing. Now, as we talk about generosity, let me just give us, let me transition for the rest of our time together, got another 45 minutes to an hour. Let me transition us to three truths about giving from God's word. If you're taking notes, you can write this first one down. And that is this. Number one, your heart matters when you give. I know that's true. Our heart matters when we give. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 7. He said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. In other words, if we don't plant a lot of seeds, we're not going to get a great harvest. If we don't give much, I mean, you're not likely to get as much. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion or under pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it when we give with the right heart because the heart really matters when we give. God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, according to a couple commentaries, that, that, that phrase cheerful giver can, can actually, be, actually be translated to hilarious. Have you, ever, have you ever just lost it and just could not stop laughing no matter what you tried? You just lost it. For me, it's usually like, like in places you're not supposed to be loud or laugh, like school or something like that. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it in, but I just can't stop and I'm crying, laughing. You ever been in that place? That's this word. That's this word where there's, there's just so much joy going on in our hearts that we think to ourselves, man, I get to give. I get to do this. I don't have to. I get to. We had a pastor one time when I was interning at this church in Kansas City 20-some years ago, like 22 years ago, he was teaching on this, how to be a cheerful giver. And so he literally taught the church. Every time we went to, to take the offering, he said, all right, we're going to get ready to give today. He taught us that everybody started clapping and cheering and hooting and hollering like it was the, the, the loudest the church got that entire day at church was during the offering. And what he was teaching us is to celebrate being a cheerful giver. I get to do this. I don't got to. I mean, no, it really matters what's in our hearts. Now, some of us might be in that place today, and we're a cheerful giver. Others of us, maybe it's not quite as enjoyable. And the truth is, we've all been in both of those places, or at least on one side of those coin. And I was reminded of this story of this mother who was trying to teach her five-year-old daughter this this. this principle of generosity and giving. And so she gave her daughter $2 bills. She had a $5 bill and a $1 bill. And she told her daughter, at church on Sunday, you, can, you need to give one of these to God and the other one you can keep for yourself. 
And so all week long, this little girl was thinking, like, what should I do? Should I, keep, I want to keep the five. Do I keep the five? Do I give God the five? And so Sunday comes, and, and the offering bucket comes by, and the little girl decided to put the $1 bill in the basket, and she put the $5 bill in her pocket. And after church, her mom said, honey, why did you give God the $1 bill and keep the $5 bill to yourself? And the little girl said, well, the pastor said that God loves a cheerful giver. And I just thought I would be way more happier if I kept the $5 and gave the $1 to God. That's good, isn't it? You know why it's good? Because it's so true. And the truth is, the reality is, there are many of us today that think, think the same way as that little girl. I would be way happier if I just kept it to myself. And the reason why I know that is because that was my heart for so many years. And I didn't, I didn't realize the joy of generosity. In fact, I had a mentor one time kind of just speaking in my life as I was just kind of expressing with him, man, I struggle with giving. Like, I know I, I, I do give, but man, I just struggle with it. I want to keep it to myself. And I just was being real and transparent with what was going in my heart. And he gave me this advice. He said, you need to give until you love it. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't really know what that means. I don't even, I don't even understand that. I think that's bad advice, sir. Give until you love it. What if that never happens? What if I never do love it, right? But it was, it was actually great advice because in that, my heart began to change. And it reminded me of when I first became a father and I started changing diapers for the very first time. You guys remember those days, parents? And I'll be honest with you, I hated changing diapers, especially when they had a blowout. Come on, somebody. Now, we're, now I'm preaching. And I never really came to a point where I loved changing diapers, but something shifted in me as a dad when I began to really love taking care of my son. When, I, when it became more about taking care of him and cleaning him up and, and just loving him and less about what I was doing and more about who I was doing it for, it changed my perspective on changing dirty diapers. And the same is true with generosity. When I focused less on what I was giving and more on why I was giving, my heart began to change in it. And I went from just doing it because I felt like I had to, to started to love giving and generosity. And that was what, that's the shift that God wants to make in each and every one of us. Why? Because our heart really matters when we give. Our heart matters all the time. How many of us know Proverbs tells us, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Our hearts really matter when we give. The second truth about giving is number two, is that you cannot outgive God. Flat out, it's the principle of sowing. You cannot outgive God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 10 says it like this. And God is able to bless you abundantly. God is able to bless us abundantly. Notice it doesn't say our job, our career, the government. No, it's God who is able to bless us abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, at all things, at all times, all things, at all times, all things, at all times. 
everything we need, even in those moments we don't know where it's going to come from or how God's going to work it out or where we're going to get it or how much we're going to, all things at all times, all that we need. How many know this is the God that we serve? This is a promise he's given to us. You will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, who does he supply seed to? The sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge what? The harvest of your righteousness. In other words, when God blesses us, it won't just be with money, but he will enlarge the harvest of our righteousness. How many of us know the harvest is people? A harvest is people. Our giving and our generosity should always be about people. God's kingdom is about people. God's kingdom isn't about buildings. It's about the people in the buildings. The church isn't a building the church to go to. The church is a family to belong to. The harvest is people. In fact, I just had the thought that there were two times when we are most like God in our lives. And that is when we are giving and when we're forgiving. Think about it. We're most like God when we give. Why? Because it's not about us. We would want to keep it. We would want to be selfish with it. But giving allows us to, to bless somebody else. Well, didn't Jesus give everything away for us? We're most like God when we forgive. Didn't Jesus forgive us of so much? We're most like God when we're giving and when we're forgiving. Giving is all about our hearts towards God. It's all about our hearts towards people. We cannot outgive God. And I can't tell you... Uh, how so many times, story after story after story after story of God doing it exceedingly and abundantly more than I could think, ask, or even imagine. I was even thinking about the history of this church. Like when we first started this church 10 years ago, our first year's budget was $100,000. And just so you know, it's not a lot of money to run a church on. And 10 years later, did you know that we give beyond our walls over three times that amount a year, a year. Why? Because there's this principle at work that you cannot outgive God. I was reminded of, of Matt Beringer, who's our operations pastor here at the church, and he was actually the first employee we hired here at Experience Church. The first year, we hired him for $3,000 a year. And just so you know, if you're not good at math, that is not a good deal. That's $15 every two weeks. That's $30 a month before taxes, right? It is not a good deal. And I didn't know at the time if he was just an idiot or if he was called, right? I'm joking. How many know Pastor Matt knew something that a lot of people don't know? And that is you can't outgive God that he's going to step in here. I'm, I'll, I'll take that deal. $3,000 to work for God's kingdom and make a difference in somebody else's life. Done. Where do I sign? I'll take that deal. And over these past 10 years, I'm telling you, Matt could stand up here and say, God has exceedingly and abundant done more than he could think, ask, or imagine. And he is, you cannot outgive God. This is the principle God wants us to, to grab a hold of. Well, you keep, how I many know, what we keep is all that we have, but what we give, God multiplies. 
We cannot give God. And then finally, our, our heart matters when we give. You cannot give God. And finally, the third truth about giving that I want to give to us today, number three, is our giving leads others to God. This is the heart of giving. This is the heart of generosity, that other lives would be impacted, that someone, there'd be a difference made in, in the life of somebody else, that our giving would lead others to God. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 11 says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. <laughs> What's he saying to us? You'll be enriched in every way. You'll be given everything you need in every single way. Why? So that we can keep it, so we can hoard it, so we can pile it up for ourselves, so we can retire, so that we can always be generous. This is the prayer Jabez prayed. I'm not going to go back there. To God bless me. God bless me. Why is he bless me with more than I need so that I can be a blessing to the world around me? It's the same principle here. And when we ta take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. They will glorify God. And I was reminded of this, this reality in the scripture a couple months ago. I, I was approached in, in the lobby by uh, this, this couple that expressed to me that they had been praying for a couple months. God had laid a single mom in this church on their hearts and had been speaking to them that they needed to give her some, some just sow into her financially. And so they slipped me an envelope, which I'd been slipped an envelope before, but never like this, guys. And they gave, they gave me an envelope. I think money was in it. I never opened it, just want you to know. They said, we just, we had this single mom on our hearts. Can you make sure that she gets it? We don't want, we're not, we don't want any credit for it. We don't want her to know about it. We, who gave it? It's not about us. It's about God put this on our hearts. And I said, absolutely. And so I gave it to our team and they reached out to her. Here's the cool part of this story. When they reached out to her and said, hey, a couple in the church just, God puts you on their hearts and they just, they have a, just wanted to sow financially into you and come alongside you. They don't know what's going on. They don't know anything. They just, just God sees you. And she expressed to us that she had actually stopped coming to church. She hadn't come to church in, in, in a couple months. Now, no, for, no particular reason why. She just kind of got discouraged and was in just a, just a hard place and just kind of stopped coming, stopped bringing her little girl, just stopped coming. And so we said, hey, well, we have this gift for you. We'd love for you to come join us next Sunday. We'd love to give it to you. And so she came the next Sunday. And during their worship service, God just started moving on her, on her, on her heart. She got down on her knees and she was weeping and she rededicated her life to Jesus then she jumped into a small, she's never been into a small group before. She jumped into a women's small group and now she is doing life with other women in the church and God has done a complete 180 in her life. And I started thinking to myself, when did it all start? Come on. When did it all start? When this couple, this couple had on their heart that we should sow into her, we should give. Why? This, then we see this principle come to life that our giving and our generosity leads others to God. This is what it's all about. How I many we reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow, but our heart matters when we give. And we can't outgive God, but our giving and our generosity leads others to God. May we never forget, church, that if what we keep is all that we have, but what we give, our time and our talent and our resources and our love, what we give, 
God can multiply. And the truth is, I stand before you today, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who is here today is because someone decided to be generous with me and love me and believe in me and sow into me and give to me and pray for me because someone else was generous. I stand before you today. Anybody else? And freely we've received and freely we should give. Come on, let's be the hands and feet of Jesus and see God do what only he can do in and through our lives as we just say yes to him. Amen? Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you. We thank you for your generosity, God, how you gave it all. Wow, nobody loves us the way you do, God. Nobody believes in us the way you believe in us. We're blown away by your love, God. We're, we're blown away by your grace. And today, as we just have studied these, these principles and these truths, God, about sowing and reaping and giving and generosity. Maybe the thing that we need to, to respond to your word to is maybe the, the seed that we need to sow today is the seed of surrender. Maybe we've never surrendered our hearts to God or maybe there's something we've never surrendered to God. And right now in this place, I just wanna give us an opportunity to, to come before God and say, here's my heart. Here's my life. The very thing that you've, you've always wanted I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, man, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know him. I know about him, but I don't know him. And you need to sow the seed of surrender today. Would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am. Thank you, God, that you love me right where I'm at, but love me enough not to let me stay there. And right where you are, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for how you love me. And today, here's my heart. I surrender my life, what you've always wanted. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live my life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God